This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Patrick Brown and Ben McKee coming to you from Miami, Florida, or uh, somewhere just outside Miami, Florida, I suppose. Uh, that's how We're things go down here. We are in Fort Lauderdale, Florida right now. Uh, we are about 15 or 20 minutes away from Hard Rock Stadium, which is where we were earlier Friday night, where Tennessee defeated Clemson in the Orange Bowl. The sixth-ranked Vols beat the seventh-ranked Tigers 31-14 to in a game that I think, Ben, of all of us, was the only one who picked Tennessee to Wrong. win. I picked Tennessee to win. Oh, did you, Pat? Did you? Yeah, how read the that? site, Wes. Can I, can I point something out? I want to point something out. I, I ben arrived. Was talking all day like he was the only one who picked Tennessee to win. That's not true. I've barely been around you all day, first of all, because you decided to sleep all day. There were three of us in the press box together at Hard Rock Stadium, and you said, who was the only one here who picked Tennessee to win? You said that. Anyways, last night I arrived very late, and Wes and I were chit-chatting because, unfortunately, Wes and I are sharing a room, <laughs> and we're, we were talking about the game, and I said, you know – I like where Joe Milton's at going into this game. I don't know how well he's going to perform, but I think he has a leg up on Cade Klubnik because Cade, inexperienced, very talented, but inexperienced, hasn't really orchestrated the offense all that often, only a second career start. Joe Milton, again, has never really lived up to his potential. It's never really all clicked for him all at once, but he he knows what Josh Heupel wants him to do. He, he has comfort within the tempo and, and what the offense is trying to do and the plays and getting everybody lined up. And I thought that gave Tennessee a leg up, especially because Clemson's kind of banged up in their front seven. They're missing two first round guys. And and I said, Wes, I, I kind of think Tennessee's going to win. And Wes goes, I would be absolutely stunned. I would be absolutely shocked. It would be the most shocking win in the history of Tennessee football. It, it would be more shocking than the time Georgia State beat Tennessee. I believe my exact words were, I would not be shocked. I would be a little surprised. Uh, I, didn't, I did not think Tennessee would go into a game like this against a program that sort of lives in these sort of bigger games and, and go in there without Hendon Hooker, without Jalen Hyatt, without Cedric Tillman, without Jeremy Banks, and go win that game. Let's not forget the last time Tennessee did not have Jeremy Banks in a football game did not go great for Tennessee's defense. Uh, a lot of things about that game uh, tonight were like a lot of things about this Tennessee football season and about this Tennessee football program since Josh Heupel has gotten there. Pat, they don't talk about what they don't have. They talk about what they do have, and they make the most out of what they do have. And that sort of good vibes-only mindset, that sort of – that sort of mentality, I think it helps. Yeah, I think something I mentioned in in, uh, in my prediction: bowl games are kind of crapshoots, right? Even yeah. even at this level, 
um, where it, you have number six against number seven. These teams have won 21 games between the two of them. Both entered November undefeated. Um, there was no lack of motivation for either of these teams in this game. But sometimes just weird stuff happens in these postseason games, and you only have to look at what happened to Tennessee last year, right? They played Purdue. Purdue didn't have their top two receivers. Uh, Carl Loftus, the defensive end, opted out. Was I think he was a first-round pick. Everybody thought Tennessee would win that game going away. Yep. And, and stuff happens. Like, I mean, um, you know, Clemson has seven drives in the first half that go across midfield, and they score three points. Missed three field goals. Guy had missed three field goals all season. He missed three in the first half. Nearly missed a fourth. Um, they have a fake punt that gets that snuffed out. So, um, and then the guys step up for Tennessee. You know, Joe Milton made some really good throws. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but uh, did a lot of really good things. Um, you know, Took score- care of the ball. Brew McCoy made plays. Squirrel White made plays. Ramel Keaton made plays. Um, they got some some timely runs with, with Jalen Wright there in, in the second half. Um, and, and this defense, I mean, they played their ass off. I mean, they were yeah. on the field for uh, – let me look up the stat here. For 101, 101 plays, plays, which is insanity. Um, and they just – you know, they got three fourth down stops. Clemson was just 7-19 on third down. Um, you know, Clemson moved the ball, but Tennessee was able to sort of – it was peak bend but don't break um, throughout the game, and um, that that was that was the difference. And it's something that this group can be proud of. And and it, I, I think it's it, it's a great night for this program. Um, and I think the the most pivotal moment of this game to me was when Clemson scored to make it twenty one fourteen about ten minutes to go. You knew Tennessee needed a response. Um, At and, least had to chew up clock. At least some and, clock. And, and Tennessee, so many times we keep going back to the past. You know, what do fans call it? Battered ball syndrome. They just expect yeah. the worst. I mean, how many times in that in that situation has the Tennessee team folded and the game gone against them in the last ten minutes? This team, even without their guys, without Hendon Hooker, without Jalen Hyatt, with no Jeremy Banks, Cedric, no Cedric Tillman, um, you know, they they put together a quick drive and and put the lead back to two touchdowns. And that was it. Um, they get the third down conversion to, to Keaton. We had an option route, and, and he and Milton were able to hook up, and then they got Clemson on the – Two uh, checks before the snap, too. On, that was big for Milton. Yeah, on, on the double move uh, or on the stutter and go. So um, that that was the the pivotal moment of this game. That and I think end of the third quarter uh, when he got that fourth and two stop with, with uh, Juwan Mitchell was in there and Beasley was in there, Kamal Haddon uh, made that play in Tennessee. Off, their offense had been kind of sputtering, kind of you know not been great to that point, but they go down and score – those are the two pivotal moments of this game. So, um, and, 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 you know, 11 wins. This is, if you'd have told me this time two years ago, Tennessee would have won 11 games, 22, I thought you were crazy. And beaten six of the past seven national champions. Right. I mean, this season they beat like, Alabama, LSU, and, and Clemson. I mean, and Florida. And, and they beat two of those teams by 17 and 27. <laughs> so, I mean, that, this, it's remarkable what this group of, of coaches has done. This, you know, this, this, um, these players, a lot of them have, have stuck through a bunch of crap, um, and some of them have gotten a lot better under the staff, and it's it's remarkable what they've been able to do. And, and this was a the right end to what this season has been, which is uh, a breakthrough where Tennessee has shown that you could win big and, and, and it could be fun and it could be a, an attractive brand of football and, and a program that's that's competing at the highest level yeah you know what's interesting is that in so many of these Tennessee wins so in, in the big games Tennessee has just been dynamite offensively and that's been what's really led them in a lot of these games this game 
completely different. This game, it's like you didn't have Superman wearing the number five jersey, right? You had to do, you had to be almost a normal offense. Not a bad offense, just a normal offense. You didn't have Superman back there. So, you know, he's not able to escape and, and get out and move the chains every time on third down and frustrate the defense because that's just not what Joe Milton's best at. Uh, you didn't have some of your best explosive wide receivers, right? You didn't have Jeremy Banks there on defense, but you, you bended, you didn't break, and you got outgained. If you're Tennessee, you got outgained by nearly 100 yards in that game, but you made plays when you had to make plays. You won, honestly, in ways that a lot of Philip Fulmer teams used to win games in some ways. You, you were really, really tough defensively. You weren't Even when you weren't great, you were opportunistic. You made plays when you had to. And you just had moxie about you. Like Tennessee in that game, Clemson, guys, Clemson is the program in this game that if both teams have a, have a few players opt out, right, which program, when you look at recruiting rankings from the past five years, go even farther than that, which program of those two should be the one better equipped to handle a situation like that? It might be the one with a head coach that's been there for a couple of decades now, basically, a program that's won a couple of national championships, seven of its past eight conference titles. That's the kind of program that should have an advantage in a situation like that. But that wasn't the program that won this game. It was Tennessee in a second-year head coach without his offensive coordinator with an island of misfit toys, and they, they outplayed him. They won the game. That, to me, is a huge – it's not a team win as much as it is a program win for Tennessee. Well, and, and I think Tennessee wanted this game more, quite frankly, and, and I don't say that to diminish how Tennessee performed, and I don't say that um, to disparage what, what Clemson did tonight either. I, I, I didn't watch Clemson play tonight and think, oh, wow, they, they, they don't want to be here. They're not playing hard. I, I did not think that, but because of where the programs are in the, the Dabo Sweeney era and, and the Josh Heupel era, we talked about this the very first podcast we recorded, Wes, after we, 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 we recorded when it was announced that they were playing in the Orange Bowl, and, and that's that Clemson is currently in an era where it is championship robust. Uh, they, they are used to playing in the college football playoffs every single season, and the Orange Bowl is very prestigious. Uh, it, it is one of the, the top games out there, outside of the college football playoff, I, I would go Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl probably as as maybe the the only two above it. And I would say honestly, the Orange Bowl is neck and neck with the Sugar Bowl. Uh, so really, only the Rose Bowl is is more significant. Do they, and, have, do they have the police escort for the media? No, at the Rose Bowl though. They they do not. They they did not give Ben McKee an escort to the game. Very much appreciated. Shout out to the Brevard County Escorts. Hey, police. You freeze? Is that you? Yeah, I was about to say, this is a Tennessee podcast, not an Auburn one, sir. Uh, I, I, I apologize. Uh, but again, I just want to thank the good people of Brevard County who keep this, this county safe because I know they have to deal with Antonio Brown on a daily basis. <laughs> so we appreciate That's them true. It's very uh, taking true. time away from that. Hopefully Antonio Brown didn't get into e- even more stuff. And, and hey, listen, for those wondering why I'm bringing up Antonio Brown and, and we're trying to recap Tennessee's win in the Orange Bowl, let, let's not... Forget that Antonio Brown was an honorary VFL 
under Butch Jones. So so it all ties together. It does, he, it does all tie together. It, I mean, it, it's kind hey, of a Tennessee you know Butch, topic. Did you know Butch Jones coached him in, in college? Did you know that? Were and you aware of that? J.J. Watt and Travis Kelsey and Also, uh, Tony Vitello knows Max Scherzer. Did you know that, too? Have, have, they actually do legitimately know each yes, other. Yes. Uh, uh, has Butch thrown up a, a graphic yet uh, of Josh Dobbs's Thursday night football start and, and how well he played? I'm, I'm, I'm sure he, <laughs> he I'm sure he has, but uh, regardless, Wes, on that podcast we recorded, we, we kind of talked about that, that I thought Tennessee was, was going to want this more. Not because Clemson wasn't going to show up and be ready. I, I thought they were. I just didn't think they necessarily played all that well. Uh, and their quarterback's inexperienced. You saw that tonight. He, he, he became very flustered because of the game plan Tim Banks implemented and, and really trying to get after him and pressure him and, and hit him and really force him into mistakes. And, and you absolutely see the potential in my opinion, in Cade Klubnik, but you also see the inexperience. And uh, again, I, I, I kind of think that was the, the overarching feeling coming into the game uh, is that Tennessee would, would want this one more, and, and I thought it showed, quite honestly, because I thought the preparation, it, reflecting on it based on how they played tonight, I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was terrific. I, I did not see that defensive performance coming because we saw the same Clemson offense – light up a, a bad North Carolina defense, and at times this season, this Tennessee defense was equally as bad as that North Carolina defense. But I'll tell you what won, won them the game, West defensively. The secondary had its atrocious moments <laughs> at times. We talk about bend but don't break. I think Patrick mentioned that. Uh, the, 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 the bending part was a result of the secondary and, and DBs trying to make plays down the field. Now, Wesley Walker to Marion McDonald, uh, Danico Slaughter, those guys played well. But others in the secondary, they were part of the reason that Tennessee was bending defensively at times. But the reason they did not break is because Tennessee's front seven, the defensive line and the linebackers, Aaron Beasley played as well as I've ever seen him play. Yeah, Solon Page I, said he, afterwards he, he, it was I his best game. Byron Young told me afterwards it was the best game he's ever seen him play. Uh, I, I, Jalen Wright said the same thing. Aaron Beasley was terrific. That front seven is the reason the defense didn't break and the reason Tennessee was able to win the game. I'll say this before we go to break here. I, I, I think I, I do agree that, that it's easy to say, and I think there's some truth to it, that Tennessee may have wanted this a little bit more than Clemson did. But I think that might be discounting how much Clemson did, in fact, bought this game. Let's not forget, 2021 was not a typical Clemson season. Lost three games, first time they hadn't won the ACC in like six or seven years. You know, DJ was struggling at quarterback. This season, they they had kind of done some better things. They were sort of there in the hunt later in the season, but then they go and lose to South Carolina, right? And then they 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 make a change at quarterback. They got a freshman coming in. They're trying to build momentum going forward because all the talk around that program yeah, this right was, now this was supposed to be the start yeah, is this next Trevor Lawrence yes, is next to Sean yes, Watson like and and and, and Dabo is big on on narrative and and he was trying to change the narrative in terms of okay now we're starting something else here now we're building something else we're going to end this season with a lot of momentum and we're going to look like Clemson again next season i think they came out there i think they played really hard i think Tennessee just executed better on those sort of game-winning and game-losing moments, right? Even when Tennessee committed some of those frustrating uh, defensive pass interference calls, that's better at this level. That 15 yards is better than 50 yards. I mean, they, they made little plays like that, tackling guys backward, not forward. They just made little plays throughout the game that 
it's those little kind of program moments. It's those little, the little discipline, the, the, the little, like there are no little things mentality. You know, you had Kamal Haddon get a dumb unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Even Heupel got one arguing about them not playing, spotting the ball fast enough. But Tennessee, throughout the course of that 60-minute game, was just so much better than Clemson like in, in scoring range or so much better than Clemson on third and fourth down on special teams, those winning edge moments, Tennessee was just better. Well, I, I, in my matchups piece, I kind of, I wrote that it kind of felt like if this game was going to come down to which quarterback played better, Tennessee had the better quarterback tonight. Um, you know, Joe Milton was you know, 251 yards, three touchdowns, several big time throws. Uh, and Kate Klubnick looked like a freshman, you know, the end of the first half was, was peak freshman, Right there, where he gets tackled and bounced twice, and the clock runs out. Um, you know, he, he's he maybe didn't see the field well, um, running for his life a lot of the night. I mean, he was thirty of fifty-four for th- he threw for three twenty, but he also had two picks. And I don't know the math on that, but Clemson only averaged four eight, four point eight yards per play. And that day, in this day and age of football, if that's what you can hold an offense to, you're doing pretty good. So. Um, it's that it's what it came down to to me was that the you know, Tennessee's quarterback played better and do we th- expect that going in? I don't know. There were a lot of questions about Milton. Not a lot of people were sold. Some people still hold the old Miss crap last season against him um, when he's you know when he's done what a lot of guys wouldn't have done and stay and, and be the backup and, and wait for his opportunity and keep working and all these things. Um, and, and he was the difference tonight to me. Um, so and, and like I said, I, you know. Th- Tennessee's coaches and Joey Halsey said this week there's going to be a competition this this offseason. There should be, but um, and, and I don't I don't want to say Joe Milton won the starting job for next season uh, in this game, but I think he showed that he should be the favorite, and it's you know this offense can operate pretty good without him or, or with him in there uh, at the controls. Tonight didn't dictate how next season is going, not at all going to go. It it it's going it, to be a new team, all that right. stuff. Right, absolutely. Uh, it, it did not dictate how Joe Milton will perform next season. I thought Joe was was absolutely great tonight. And I, I do not, for the life of me, understand uh, the people that were saying during the game when at one point Tennessee had uh, four three-and-outs within eight possessions. Uh, they, they were saying that Joe's not the guy and they need to go get a quarterback. Quarterback wasn't the problem at that point. Nico needs to get ready, be ready. Uh, even after the game, I was talking to media members after the game in the the locker room and and they weren't all that impressed with with Joe Milton and and I just do not get it. He 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 was awesome. He he really was. What was he Hendon Hooker? No. Does he have the escapability of Hendon Hooker? No. That that's not his game. He 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 can make plays with his legs, but he can't do it as frequently as Hendon Hooker. So I I do think people maybe need to adjust their their I don't know if expectations is the word, but uh, adjust kind of their understanding of what Joe is maybe because he's not Hendon and he's not going to be as good as Hendon next year probably I mean that that is an all-time season to try and live up to I mean naturally if that's your bar think twice right if that's your bar think twice Wes says for those who didn't hear him all that clearly and I mean it's kind of like when Josh Heifel took over for, for Scott Frost Heifel went what 11 and 1 10 and 2 his first year at UCF and people were like oh Heifel's not Frost well, well no crap Scott Frost just went undefeated and nearly had UCF in the college football playoffs Danny White was at UCF saying that they were the real national champions because they beat Auburn in a bowl game so there's there's going to be natural regression is my point but 
my my ultimate point is that tonight's performance is not going to dictate anything. But I do feel better about where Tennessee is at at the quarterback position going into next season. I feel better about Joe going into next season because he's going to be the starter game one in Nashville against Virginia. He will be the starter uh, until he either – I mean, he's going to be the starter until he blows it, quite frankly. I mean, he's going to have to perform poorly for Nico to get in, in my opinion. And you saw and improved Joe Milton tonight. He he threw, what, 30-ish passes, and one or two were bad. Uh, There's the low throw to Ramel Keaton, which it should have been a better throw. But Ramel, I think, also needs to do a better job of helping out his quarterback, and it was a very catchable pass. Make the catch. Uh, and and then there was it, it appeared to me miscommunication with Brew McCoy. Brew was thinking he he needed to go one way. Joe threw it the opposite way. That that appeared to be more of a miscommunication than a misfire by Joe Milton, like we've seen in the past. And, and I think there was one over the middle of the field as well that that he did airmail. But that's what two three throws at the most. Poor throws at the most of thirty ish that he threw. He didn't turn the football over. He displayed touch that he hasn't shown in the in the past. He showed great command. These last several weeks when Hendon hasn't been here, he showed great leadership. I don't know how you can't feel good about Joe Milton after tonight. Again, not saying he's going to go win the Heisman, not saying he's going to replicate this season, but I think he has absolutely improved from last season. And and Patrick, the last point before we hand it back over to Wes and and Wes can send us the break. You're right. When, When the offense bogged down tonight, it was not Joe Milton, the reason that they bogged down. It was maybe protection breaking down here or there. But the bigger issue was that Tennessee struggled to find consistency running the football. And yes, they need to be better, but it's also not the end of the world because they they were able to get it going. And they were going up against a defensive front seven that although Clemson had two first rounders missing, that's still a a big time SEC level defensive front that they were going up against. So Tennessee wasn't going to have success running the football all day long. And when they they did bog down, it was because they were not finding success in the running game, and, and they weren't really helping the passing game uh, break out. And, and you saw Jalen Wright break out for a, a nifty run, long run. Jabari Small had a couple of nice runs, and when they did that, the offense was able to open back up, and they go on to score 31 points against a, a top-10 defense. Joe Milton played really well tonight, Wes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And there's a lot more that we can talk about with Joe Milton, a lot more we can talk about with a lot of other things about Tennessee, but we're slightly overdue for a break, so we're going to get to that quickly. Uh, but then we'll be right back after you listen to these uh, product services, in-house ads, etc. and then we'll be back right here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Boss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker, Patrick Brown, and Ben McKee coming to you from down here in South Florida where the 6th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers have just defeated 7th-ranked Clemson 31-14 to in the Capital One Orange Bowl. Tennessee's first uh, win over a top-10 opponent in a bowl game since uh, the national championship game, I do believe. A, a big, big day for Tennessee, a big season for Tennessee. Perhaps not the national championship season some people thought it might have been six or seven weeks ago, uh, but when you look at it, still a, a hell of a season for Josh Heupel and his program. Lots more to discuss about this game this season, and we'll do that after uh, just a quick suggestion from our end. Guys, if you could take about a minute out of your day right now, please go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website right there at GoBalls247.com, no problem with that. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, what helps us out the most is if you go in there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, etc. Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love, but since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and uh, rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends. Tell people you see at church, tell people you see around town, tell people you see at the airport. Uh, if you're flying back uh, from this game to your home destination, you see people wearing orange. I bet a lot of people are Tennessee fans are going to be wearing their orange stuff in airports around this time. Uh, go in there and tell them, hey, you're waiting on a layover here. Why don't you, uh, why don't you listen to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast? Why not? You, you never know. That could be your new best friend, guys. You never, ever know. Uh, please, please do that. Uh, we do this for free, so please do that for us in return. And if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We'd love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, back to business. This game, this season, we're obviously going to have to have some some end-of-the-season podcasts about wrapping up things offensively, defensively, etc. What what looks good, what's a concern. But just trying to imagine where we'll be in in just a a couple of hours here, 30,000 feet above the air, looking down on the program, what are your thoughts maybe compared to what they would have been 365-ish days ago? <laughs> Again, I mean, 11 wins? Are you kidding me? I mean, just I think what sometimes gets lost with this program is where it was two years ago. I mean, uh, this, this time two years ago for me personally was a blur because my wife, we, we gave birth to my twins on, on New Year's Day. She gave birth. It's true. I had nothing to do with it. Um, it's so like, I mean, I was on like leave when Pruitt got fired and all the back and forth, the NCAA stuff was out there. You had guys portaling left and right, Wanya Morris, Ty Chandler. Uh, and then that was before Pruitt actually got fired and you had other guys bail. I mean, just 
it's just incredible. I mean, this program was – there's been a lot of low points for, for Tennessee football over the last 15 or so years, but it's hard for me to not look at that stretch after that miserable season where they were borderline unwatchable, had no hope for the future, didn't know what was going to happen. There was all those weeks of will they or won't they with Pruitt, all these things, and um, that had to be rock bottom. And they bring Josh Heupel in. It's not the most, like, popular hire in the eyes of a lot of people. It's like, why did – Danny White just bringing the guy he just knew right there. Why is this a package deal? Like you knew the offense was going to be good, but you didn't know what, what what else would be there. And yeah, you knew you knew it would be interesting. You just didn't know if it was going to be good, right? I mean, and, and I guess in some respects, after a three win season where you lost seven games by double digits, it's like, well, there's nowhere to go to up. But they've gone up really quickly uh, and, and at a really high. I mean, they've gone way up. I mean, they're probably going to finish the top five. Which has not been done in this program. First level win season in 21 years. Only, I think nine, 11 win seasons in program history. And this is a program that's won a lot of won a lot of football games. So uh, that's a stat from from UT's Bill Martin, who does a good job. So um, the the eleven the nine 11 win seasons in in program history. So um, it's it's incredible, Wes. I mean, it's um, the. At some point, there are going to be people who are going to look back and, and wonder what if. There, there's going to be some what ifs about the season that, that maybe it could have been and more. I think that's fair. And it's fair, but... It should always be a side conversation. Right. I, I think this win is going to paint this this season. And, 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 it, and it this season was should have been viewed very highly anyway. But I think this win is going to make... It's the lasting one that people are going to have for, for months until you know we kind of really get into the spring and, and you start seeing this new team start to come together and all these things. Um, and, and when you end it like this, it's going to be, people are going to remember this night. They're going to remember how they felt on October 15th when they beat Alabama. They're going to remember LSU, Florida. They're going to remember Kentucky. They're going to remember all that more than they're going to remember Georgia and South Carolina. They're going to remember Hendon Hooker and, and everything he did. They're going to remember Jalen Hyatt winning the Blitnikoff. They're going to, they're going to remember all these good things um, as they should, because this was, um, I mean, this uh, this was a season that I, I didn't see coming a year ago, uh, and, and really, I you know I think we've had this conversation before, but it wasn't really LSU for me until I realized like oh, this team's kind of good. Yeah, they're actually whoa, 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 right? Like this, like, is, and if you go back and listen to that podcast, if you're just now finding this podcast and you want to go back and listen, I think that day Pat and I were down there in Baton Rouge in the press box, being like, wait, they're good? Are they? Good? Are they really? They're really <laughs> yeah, good. And, and 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 again, I think. Um, it's just a credit to Heupel and, the, and this players. I mean, this is a group of, of – this is a team that's um, – their success is built on guys that have been through a lot and, and come out the other side of it. And uh, for some of these guys, they've, they've stuck through, in some cases, two coaching changes, multiple position coaches, all these things. I mean, Darnell Wright's a great example. He's – you know, a lot of his guys in his class left in that class. I mean, Henry, Eric Gray, uh, Wanye Morris. Remember those two guys were supposed to be like, you know, bookend tackles and – Darnell's going to see those guys at the Senior Bowl here in about a month, and I wonder what he's going to have to say about Eric Gray tweeting VFL and uh, and you know Wanya Morris going to Oklahoma and not starting for a year, and, and Darnell saying, "Look, I stuck it out, and look what happened. I had a better year than you guys." He's the best right tackle going into the draft, according to some draft experts. Right, and guy that um, he said tonight that he sort of made up his mind before the season that this was going to be his last season, and then he played up to it. So 
Um, but he could have he could have bailed and he, and, and he talked because he had to talk because the locker room was open after the game. Right, so he and, had to talk. And, and he was you know he was a really good interview. Um, and so um, you know he he admitted that he just wanted to play and finish it out, but he didn't have any hard feelings against anybody that didn't and understood it. So, um, but he's a great example. There's so many you go up and down this roster. There's so many examples of guys that either stuck it out, been through injuries. Um, you know, Henry Hooker's a great story. Jalen Hyatt, just great stories of guys who've worked. Aaron Beasley's a guy that's coming to his own. Um, and so that, that's, that's what this program has been built on for the staff. And, um, it's, it's remarkable that they've won at this level so quickly. Yeah. I think it, Ben, it's natural. Anytime that you go into like November and you have a legitimate, like really good chance to win a national championship and you don't win it, that's always going to put an asterisk on your season. And and it probably should. I mean, let, let's be honest about that. Let's, we're, we're here, we're here, we're, we're three adults sitting in a room. We can be honest about this. But I think when you look at the totality of everything, where all of this has been for Tennessee, and you look at everything that was done this season, and beyond that, I think maybe the tiebreaker can go to how fun the football was to watch. There are a lot of teams who actually win a lot of games. They're not always that fun to watch. Tennessee football, even if you're not a Tennessee fan, it's interesting to watch, man. The way they play, that pace, the the back and forth sometimes, the ping pong style, it it it, it might give fans heart attacks, but I mean it, it it's 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 a fun brand of football and it's like apples after the game. If you want to have fun and you want to play a fun brand of football and you want to win some games, Tennessee looks like a place you can do that right now. Well, and even tonight you saw the negative impact of the, this fun style of, of play, and, and you all talked about it earlier, but Tennessee's defense being on the field for 101 plays, it's not ideal. No. Uh, and look, a large part of that wasn't necessarily the style of play. It was more of, again, as Patrick and I mentioned earlier, it, it was not being able to establish the running game. Uh, in, in those three and outs, the, the, the main culprit was, again, not establishing the run, uh, the, the interior of the Which line. Which got established in the second half. Yes, may, maybe not as much as it, it needed to. Uh, Jalen Wright did finish with 89 yards. That, that was in large part uh, because of that 42-yard rush. Uh, and if you take that 42-yard rush out of – the mix, uh, yes, and I'm not trying to discourage it, but outside of that rush, 37 carries on, well, Joe Milton's stats are included in that because the college has the stupid rule, unlike the NFL where yeah. sacks count uh, against it. But uh, r- rough math off the top of my head, the, the running back's 70-ish yards on 24 carries. So that, that was the main culprit as to why the, the offense was struggling uh, and also some receivers maybe not stepping up and making a play here and there. But I wonder if I wonder if having a quarterback who can't quite run like Hooker might have also had a little bit of of an impact there because Hooker's ability to run changes the entire complexity of the offense. I think. Yeah, it, in fairness, it it does. But I I also don't know, and, and we'll see as Milton gets into being a full time starter again at, at the beginning of next season what the the running game looks like but but remember there there were some conversations when Hendon was the guy about are they running him enough we we had those conversations yeah. 
I mean, the the quarterback designed run with Hendon wasn't a huge thing. I, I don't think it was as as big of a part of the game but as that maybe C people was realize. In the minds of the defenders, because he could go off for fifty or sixty. Correct, but it was never necessarily a designed run. It was it was always on broken plays mm-hmm. in the pocket, and and more of him scrambling rather than him running on designed runs. And, and look, Hendon is a better runner running quarterback than Joe. I'm not trying to say he's not, but I think Joe's a little bit better than people give him credit for. I mean, he had the the one long big rush tonight that got brought back because of holding. Uh, and, and there were several times in, in which he was able to make a guy or two miss in the pocket by scrambling around, but because Clemson's defensive front is so good and, and there are some inconsistencies up front along the offensive line, there were just too many guys. For, for Joe to try to escape from. So that that's something to monitor. But my overall point that I was getting to is is that the, the offense was putting the defense more into poor positions because of failed execution rather than tempo. But still, that that is one of the bugaboos about this style of offense is that the defense was on the field for uh, 101 plays. And, and Patrick talked about the drive earlier, and, and you mentioned, Wes, Joe making two checks at the line, making the third and nine pass to Ramel Keaton, and, and they needed to score on that drive. I, I tweeted it out just before that drive when Clemson cut it to a one-score game. Like, you can tell – that this Tennessee defense is wearing down. Clemson just did whatever it wanted to this Tennessee defense and marched right down the field on 12 plays, punched it in. Finally punched it in. Kamal hadn't had a stupid penalty that allowed them or encouraged Dabo to go for two because it put the ball on the the one-yard line. And that that Tennessee defense was gassed. I I think the the numbers at the time was 87 plays to, to, to 46 or so. And... That 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 was just not good. And Tennessee needed to score the, then and there, and, and and they answered the bell. But uh, although there are some negative aspects to, to this style of play, Wes, I, I kind of start to think on, on the flip side of this, how exciting is it for Tennessee kind of looking towards the future as Patrick and, and Wes rightfully crack a cold one here at 3.30 in the morning, yeah. uh, exactly three and a half hours before my flight takes you off. take your medicine sometimes to get through the podcast. I don't know that you're supposed to take medicine with beer, but um, that's a separate conversation. This is but, medicine you can. Uh, that's, when you take every medicine there is, I guess that's you can. That's true. Just, just have to take all of them. It all feels the same. Um, <laughs> but looking – Towards the future, how, how can you not really be excited about what is possible? Again, Tennessee's really going to have to sustain the success, prove that they weren't a one-year wonder. Um, but look, they're going to have some transfer receivers coming in these next couple of months. And if I'm this coaching staff and the recruiting staff, I'm having Joe Milton highlights playing all throughout the facility. I'm having his stats posted. 19 of 28, 251, three tutties, zero interceptions. I've also got Squirrel. that's what, 12 touchdowns and zero picks this season for Milton? And Squirrel White, his stats are up on the board as well. A freshman, undersized slot receiver after the Bolitnikoff Award winner opted out of the game. And Squirrel White has nine catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. And I know Ramel Keaton is technically coming back, but that starting spot opposite of Brew McCoy is up for grabs. And 
this performance could not have come at a better time because they have transfer receivers coming in. And that's my point is that's kind of a microcosm of, of the program. You got Nico, you're seeing Joe develop, you're, you're bringing in a great defensive class. They're getting better and better. The recruiting is starting to get better and better because they're having results. And, and you're, you're looking at Tennessee. They need to go out and execute. There's still a lot of work to be done, but you're looking at ten, a, a Tennessee West that that's on the verge for being a perennial 10 11 win team that's going to compete to go to Atlanta every year and compete to go to the playoffs especially now that it's ex- expanding to, to 12 teams yeah I mean it, it, you can get to the playoff now a little bit easier going forward because I don't think that machine in Athens is slowing down anytime soon I think those guys have that that Georgia program is finally being run the way that always should have been run since the beginning of time um, and that's not going to stop being that's not going to start being an easier game um, in the terms of them getting worse like you're going to have to go catch them but I think my final thought would be I, I think sometimes you, it's easy to sit there and talk about the future the future the future and you miss sort of what's in front of you and appreciate what it was so I think it's good and then we spent most of this podcast appreciating what this team what this season was but I also think when you look at some of the guys who did what they did in this game tonight I think that makes you believe genuinely that there is a chance to sustain this. Yeah, I mean, you've you, uh, been started talking about Squirrel Y. I mean, I talked to Kelsey Pope after the game, and he was like, yeah, we, we, kind, of, we kind of expected him to do this. I mean, they've seen this guy work and just get yeah, better every fast. week. He fast, he good. Every week, every well, week, every, you know, just steadily been building, and, and he just got his opportunity, and he makes, goes and makes plays. I love Brew McCoy. I think he's a great wide receiver. Yeah, he's been banged up too. He's he's been he's been a non-contact and, for a I, long time. I think time. he can be a number one guy. I mean, yeah. the, he made a couple of, of big boy plays tonight. I mean, the one where he caught a short pass and just lowered the boom, and then the touchdown catch where he just was like, "I'm bigger than you," and I know it. He plays like he, he is six three, two twenty, and he plays like it um, with, with some of the speed that they have, with some of the speed that that they hope probably to bring in. I, I think he brings the the physicality and sort of the attitude that they need uh, at that at those receiver positions. Um, I like this backfield. I think Jalen Wright's their best running back. Um, now that he's taking care of the ball, yeah. For now, Samson's coming. For now, I, I I do think Samson might have the highest ceiling, and and you know we'll see if they can. I don't think we know what Wright's ceiling I, is yet. I think, I think he could be a really really nice. It player. seems like they want to get in uh, with Marshawn Lloyd um, in the portal, but that's neither here nor there. But. I tell you, they need to call Carson Steele, but I don't. I don't know if they're going. No, to. they're not going. He to. would be a nice compliment to some of the other backs they have. Um, they need. They could use a power they, guy. They really could. They're, they're going to bring at least three starters back on the offensive line. Um, you know, Cooper Mays and Javante Spragles will probably be the anchors of that group. At this point, you have to trust Glenn Ellerby to get the job done. I mean, I think he's done a really good job with, with some of those guys. Collectively, individually, those guys have improved. We'll see what the tight end room looks like. That's going to undergo a lot of change. We'll see what this – That's a big, big – Who the hire is the there. Um, and, and defensively, um, you know, something I thought was interesting from the week is that uh, talking to, to Tim Banks about Aaron Beasley, he kind of was like, you know, Jeremy Banks makes a lot of flash plays, but if you actually watch the tape, Aaron Beasley is the one that's making – Always around the ball. Right, he's he's just consistent. He's always where he needs to be. He makes the regular play. He makes the routine play. Um, he said he's a cornerstone of this defense. And with Byron Young moving on, um, you know they've got a lot of questions to answer in the secondary. Uh, I do a think a lot. Uh, I do think they've got a couple building blocks there um, with Wesley Walker at safety and Tamir McDonald. I think came into his own this season Walker. at that Stars position. Stars a guy that's got to be on the field at this point. Yes. Um, the way he's played, I think he he usually plays better than he does uh, poorly, if that makes sense. Um, 
and, and you know they've got some young guys coming up through the pipes. You know they brought in uh, Keenan Peely, the you know the BYU linebacker. I think he might be a plug and play guy. We'll see what happens with. He needs to be. He's like thirty five years. We old. need to see what happens with Juwan Mitchell. He was kind of you know Solon Page played more in this game and uh, defensive line. They've got you know Byron Young will be a big miss. Um, but other than that, they got everybody coming back, and they need to get make sure everything's whatever's going on with Barron. They need to make figure out what's going on there because I, uh, I I think he'll be back. I but, do too, but I mean his words have made it sound a little bit but, like he's you know, not sure. But Amari, consider the military draft. <laughs> I mean, Amari Thomas can be a building block there. Um, you know, they got some young guys there with Josephs and Pierce and um, Tyree West played, and you know Amari McNeil played a bunch of snaps tonight. That was kind of bizarre. Yes, and that's was. that's clearly a, a something he earned over the, the course of bowl practice. And I think you trust Rodney Garner there. Yeah, and he I think he played more than Garland and 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 your boy Elijah Simmons. So that's um you know that, that's well Jordan Thomas is now in the dojo, so it's okay. Yeah, I mean we saw Jordan El- Thomas. Elijah get- Elijah let down the dojo this season, but I think Jordan Thomas oh, yeah. is a guy who's. Are you finally there. off the Elijah train? No, no. He's you're you're when you're when you're in the dojo, you're in the dojo for life. But but Jordan Thomas is might become the new face of the dojo. You know, Latrell Bumpus is a guy that quietly was really productive on that defensive line. But um, you know, this this class they got coming in, I think they're really excited about on defense. You know, I don't know how many of those guys will be able to to jump right in. Um, but you know, you look at across the board, some of the guys that they brought in with those two edge guys and Herring and, and Bradley, uh, the linebackers that are all here uh, with Smith and Carter and. Uh, T. Lander, you know, all the defensive backs are here. All those guys were here tonight, being a part of this. And um, you know, at this point of, of of their careers, they've been in the you know they've been in the part of the program uh, culture of this program already during these bowl practices, and they were probably already familiar with it from from recruiting because these guys are on campus so much. So um, there's a lot of reason to think that that you know this won't be a, a flash in the pan. May they take a step back next season? I suppose it's possible. This is a tough league. Other teams are going to improve, yeah, um, and, and things like that. But um, you know, you you have to think big picture. This offense is always going to be pretty good. Are they going to score? Are they going to be number one in the country every year? Probably not. But they're going to score a no lot of points. Going to be happy to play them. They're going to be a lot of. They're going to tough to prepare for. They're tough to play against because they stress you so many different ways. The staff knows how to scheme things up. We'll see what they do if Heupel continues to call plays. Uh, if he starts grooming Joey Halsey to take over that role, um, you know, because it's going to be a guy that he trusts. Uh, we'll see what direction they go there. But you, he and Halsey have known each other for you like know 15 this, years. You, so. you know this program is, is always going to have good quarterback play and good offense. Um, Tim Banks acknowledged this week that they need to improve uh, the defensive talent level. He pointed to Clemson and said these guys have recruited at a high level for 10 years. That's why they've got these guys um, that, that are so highly regarded and – uh, he's hoping that they're able to do that on a yearly basis and bring in the, the group of guys that they brought in in this class in particular. So um, there's a lot of reason to be excited about the future of this program, and I think this was a great night on, on both those fronts, which is what kind of we talked about and, and a lot of people thought going into this game was that this was sort of a, a page-turner for, you know, it's a way to culminate one season that's been great, and it's a way to sort of springboard into the next season and keep the momentum going, and Tennessee was able to do that. Um, this program is on a meteoric rise has been, and, and uh, I think there's a lot of things that are in place at this point to keep it, uh, you know, competing for the, for the biggest things. And, um, and and this game, I think, is further validation and confirmation of that. 
I agree with that. And I think there's a lot more that we could discuss, but we are out of time to do that because I think Ben's flight leaves in like 30 seconds. And so uh, we got to get this thing edited before all of us crash and hopefully get it out to you. Uh, we, we got a lot more coverage. We've got a bunch up on the site now. We will have a lot more, obviously, in the coming days, too. Please uh, be a little patient with us Sunday as we're traveling, but uh, we will we will have stuff up to read. We will have stuff up to watch uh, and to listen to, and we will be around. And then, uh, guys, it's uh, it's the offseason. It's basketball season for Tennessee, uh, and for football, it is time to uh, offseason. And then baseball starts here. There's no offseason, West. Just a couple. A Baseball's a six weeks away. My goodness, time absolutely flies. Uh, so, anyways, we will get out of here, and we will be back at you probably here in just a couple of days. Have safe, uh, have a safe and happy New Year. Be safe out there. I know there's a lot of morons out there on New Year's Eve. Be very, very careful. And uh, until then, we will uh, we will see y'all when we see y'all in just a couple of days. Ben and Pat, thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye, Wes. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at govals247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again and uh, be kind to each other, guys.
just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.